hold the line, stand your ground, step into your sovereignty, because this is all just a matter of time. These measures are illegal, unlawful, unethical, immoral. They will not stand up to court scrutiny around the world. They might get away with it in certain jurisdictions, but there are countries running these cases all around the world. We are going to get the right results. So be patient. Be patient, yeah. hold the line. In the meantime, use that time to spread the word, gem up on your rights. It's as simple as saying, no, we are ruled by consent, yeah. right? We're not actually ruled. These are our public servants. We are governed by consent, right? So if you don't consent to these measures, right, they cannot force you to. They might claim that they can, but you've found that a lot of the cases that have gone to court have been dropped because they're illegal. Yeah. It's all just a threat, a coercion. It's a way to make you comply. Okay. Hello, friends, and welcome to the third episode of Nothing Going On Here, The Power of One in Interesting Times. That was the voice of Anna de Buissoret, I hope I'm getting that right, who you heard, a UK trial lawyer who's helped to form uh, an international legal response to the government mandates. Uh, she was interviewed during the Medical Freedom March um, that was held in London on October the 30th. And if you want to find out more about her work, there's something called uh, an organization that she set up called Informed Consent Campaign. Um, and I, you can definitely find that on Telegram. It's the Informed Consent Campaign. So the title of this episode is Strange Bedfellows. How does it feel to agree with the disagreeable? So am I the only one who feels that the terms left and right have lost all sensible meaning. And now I'm obviously talking about the left and right in a political context. I'm not suggesting that um, we don't know our right hand from our left hand anymore, but who knows what the next casualty of truth will be in the upside down? How many fingers am I holding up, Winston? So I used to be able to say with a fair degree of confidence that I was on the left of the political spectrum, but I'm not sure that's true anymore. Not so much because my views have changed, although they have mellowed and, and become more complex and nuanced um, over the years, uh, which I think happens to a lot of people, a kind of process of maturation, but because the political space for these views has constricted and seems to be fast disappearing. The left end of the political spectrum seems to have become infiltrated by some rather dodgy characters with some, dare I say it, quite weird authoritarian leanings. Not unsimilar, in fact, to the authoritarian leanings of those on the far right. And I'm wondering if perhaps we should stop thinking about left and right and start thinking about pro-authoritarian and anti-authoritarian. If we're going to think in a binary at all, it might be a better binary. It might be a more helpful and actually accurate binary to use. But if you're going to do that, you're going to discover some strange bedfellows. So I'm what's now considered, I think, something like an old left liberal, like I'm economically left, um, but as a liberal, I, I believe in individual freedom and freedom of speech and all of that. Um, 
I believe the government has responsibility to protect the less fortunate. I'm for nationalized medicine and the welfare state. I'm pro-union. I'm for gay rights and protecting the environment. I'm very pro-immigration. I'm pro-choice. I'm feminist, or at least a second wave Germaine Greer type feminist. Um, I lived in the US for 25 years where I always dutifully voted Democrat, uh, supported gun, con gun control and uh, was against the death penalty. Uh, you get the idea. I had all the good lefty credentials and I actually generally found myself a bit left of any room that I was in. But things have changed. Have you noticed that what's called the left doesn't talk about any of these things really anymore? Uh, they seem almost completely disinterested with protecting the rights of ordinary working people or bridging the gap between the rich and the poor. They rarely actually talk about economic disparity at all. They talk instead about identity politics. Now, we can get into what that really means, but that would take too long and take us a little away from where I really want to go um, in this discussion. I want to talk about one particularly disturbing consequence of identity politics um, in that it creates something that I'm calling identity discourse. It bypasses critical thinking of an issue and reduces arguments to identity discourse, where the acceptance or rejection of your argument is based not on the strength or persuasive quality or validity of your argument, but on who else is making it and who is disagreeing with it. So it becomes really difficult in this situation to engage in any serious discussion about an issue because it reduces every political issue or every issue to the identity of the person or group declaring it. And this creates a situation where people are criticized for holding a particular position on an issue simply because somebody else who holds that same position is someone we're not supposed to like. It also assumes malice on the part of the other person, which has its own, its own dangers as well. So this kind of thinking, you know, it's really infected the discourse and you can see it everywhere to a such a degree that today we are in the bizarre situation where even discussing something as serious and important as early treatment for COVID to prevent severe illness and death is considered a right wing topic. It's completely bizarre because Donald Trump talks about hydroxychloroquine that it must be abject nonsense and all the science supporting its use must be wrong. Ivermectin, the same thing. Few on the so-called left can talk about it sensibly at all, simply because some people who don't like the vaccines are promoting it. The discourse around Ivermectin in particular from the left is hysterical nonsense. I mean, some of it's funny, like the horse dewormer meme, but it's completely bonkers. I mean, there's no critical thinking at all. They've just ignored all of the evidence that supports its use and taken a stand simply to make a political point. And it would be funnier if people's lives weren't at stake. 
It's like, we don't care if it helps people. We only care that people we don't like, like it. And that's why we don't like it. And if you don't like it, you can lump it. The same thing with discussion around vaccines and vaccine mandates. And it creates indefensible positions, like if the science comes to the wrong conclusion, it's got to be tossed down the memory hole. Drug companies are now apparently the most trusted institutions on the planet. And if you have any questions about vaccine safety, you're a conspiracy theorist. So thank God there are still scientists who continue to raise questions and doctors who continue to insist on treating their patients and upholding their Hippocratic oath by using whatever medications they can find to help them in their recovery, even though many of them are now threatened with arrest and the loss of their licenses because of this politicization. And you may have noticed that the media doesn't really discuss issues anymore based on their own merits. They just talk about sort of which groups or their representatives is advocating or denouncing them. Even freedom of speech is apparently a right-wing issue. I'm wondering how come the right are getting all the good issues. <laughs> Someone actually asked me how I felt being in the company of Steve Bannon because I was defending free speech. I mean, this is so dangerous because it's so easy to manipulate people this way, isn't it? And it creates absurd extrapolations. Like, does that mean that if I like a certain band and a, and a particular group of fascists like that band, then I'm, I'm a fascist by association and I can no longer like that band. I mean, going back to Donald Trump for a minute, because he's so much fun to talk about. What if, you know, if, if, if Trump says, I don't know, orange juice is orange, right? I use orange, I think orange came to mind because of, well, there's a reason orange came to mind when I mentioned Donald Trump. Um, and then it's like, okay, so he says orange juice is orange. And it's like a bunch of people going, well, hang on a minute. I see orange juice as orange too. Wow, I must have turned into a Trump supporter. Where are my sunglasses? That's better. Now it's a sort of murky brown. Phew, I almost agreed with something Trump said there for a minute. You can see how ridiculous these get, this gets, this thinking. You know, we're now seeing mass movements organizing around the world. I mean, millions of people coming together against the mandates. I mean, you wouldn't agree with everything every one of these people believed. Why should you? And it would be impossible anyway. It's, it's such a diverse group of people. But that shouldn't stop you from joining them to fight for a common cause. I remember something going around on Facebook uh, a year or so ago. There was a woman who had written quite eloquently, actually, about an anti-lockdown demonstration in Berlin that had been attended by some neo-Nazis. And she says something to the effect that if you demonstrate, alongside Nazis, then you're a Nazi. No, no, no. This is nonsense and don't be deceived by it. You know, I demonstrated against the Iraq war and there were some very strange bedfellows in that crowd, let me tell you. But in no way did I feel that because they were demonstrating against the same issue as me, that this made me one of them in every single way. It just meant that I was agreeing with them on this one issue. You know, in that anti-lockdown demonstration in Berlin, there were probably some jugglers, I would imagine, in that crowd, because, you know, if you look around in any demonstration, you usually find, you usually find a juggler. They always seem to come, come out of the woodwork. 
And so you could just as easily argue that the neo-Nazis became jugglers because they were marching alongside people who were juggling. I mean, that's actually kind of a nice idea. I used to be a neo-Nazi, but now I find that chucking these balls in the air brings me a sense of inner harmony and peace I've never had before. And now I love my fellow humans in all their glorious diversity. The demonstrations that we're seeing today against their health mandates include people from all parts of the political spectrum, from the left and the right and everything in between. We don't see it depicted that way in the mainstream media because, of course, they like to focus on the extreme elements. But from what I've seen here in Europe, it's, it seems to be about 50-50. Um, something like that. I mean, maybe there are some neo-Nazis, I don't know. They, they also like to come out like the jugglers. <laughs> they also like to infiltrate big demos. Because it's probably hard to draw that interest in neo-Nazism. I imagine these days you can almost feel sorry for them. I mean, people have other things on their minds. And I'm sure they like to polish off their swastikas and show off their new buzz cuts. So, you know, just give them a wide berth. I expect they're used to it. Just don't stop speaking out and acting in accordance with your truth simply because someone you disagree with and even perhaps detest is in agreement with you on this topic. It's a terrible reason for not standing up for something. Be open to being persuaded that you might be wrong, but make the person argue their case based on the issue, on the issue itself not on this lazy tactic of identity discourse. The vast majority of people who are standing up are not extremists. They're just people like you and me who've had enough. And you know, the young or the younger, <laughs> you know, they care less about all this nitpicking. They're just like, this sucks, you know, and uh, this sucks is not a left or right sentiment. When you've had enough, you'll stand with others who've had enough. So, you know, I differ with the right on many things. I don't like guns. I don't think abortion should be illegal. But one thing I know about the center right is that they're suspicious of big government. And now, so am I. And what they fear more than anything is government overreach. And now, so do I. So I found myself in some rather odd company these days. And so probably do you, if you're listening to this. But it's definitely not the oddest thing going on. And maybe it's not a bad thing either. Because maybe it's time to come together and find our common ground with people who we disagree with. Maybe it's like the alliance of men and elves and dwarfs who came together to fight the forces of Sauron in Lord of the Rings. Maybe if we come together to fight this thing together, we'll have a better chance of succeeding. And we can always go back to fighting each other later on. So join me next time when I'll be talking about grief and the long goodbye as we realize the loss of the world that we knew. I'll be sharing a very powerful statement from the associate, associate editor of the British Medical Journal on scientific integrity and a Pfizer vaccine trial researcher who is blowing the whistle on data integrity and falsification. And I'm going to leave you 
with a scene from a film about a political philosopher and Holocaust survivor, Hannah Arendt, who I mentioned in the last episode from um, a 2012 film of the same name, Hannah Arendt, which you can actually watch in full on YouTube. Okay, so remember, my dears, you are one person, so you can do something. Bon courage, and see you next time. Since Socrates and Plato, we usually call thinking to be engaged in that silent dialogue between me and myself. In refusing to be a person, Eichmann utterly surrendered that single most defining human quality, that of being able to think. And consequently, he was no longer capable of making moral judgments. This inability to think created the possibility for many ordinary men to commit evil deeds on a gigantic scale, the like of which one had never seen before. It is true. I have considered these questions in a philosophical way. The manifestation of the wind of thought is not knowledge, but the ability to tell right from wrong, beautiful from ugly. And I hope that thinking gives people the strength to prevent catastrophes in these rare moments when the chips are down.